0: to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast.
1: Oh! Yes, thank you, Big Boys in the Sky. We are back here on the twenty-four-seven Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Patterson here, Barton Simmons there. That's the the beginning of a quarterback edition here because that's uh, that's really what this 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 time of year. And we're going to spend some time in June uh, digging into the recruiting scene. Because Barton, I mean, this is something you've been doing for more than a decade. Um, maybe I hope I'm not shorting you like ten years, right? uh it's the barton's been covering recruiting since 1974
0: i am not i'd never had a 1 900 number right so okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, you don't have to worry about that
1: um so uh like when we started this podcast la- when we started doing this last july i felt like uh we were really coming off of uh what was a very busy june on the recruiting standpoint so um, we will be spending some time throughout this month checking in uh, the Elite 11, uh, obviously, and some of these other big-time camps are, are, are going on. You know, what schools are getting it done in recruiting? These are going to be some of the questions that we're asking in June with July really kick-starting our, uh, our season preview-type stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this, Martin, because this is, this is a... Like, I didn't know how busy June is for the recruiting industry
0: at yeah, june June is well the the this is the time when the college camps are really big, and so because of that like this is the first time college coaches really you know they've been around they've been on the road they've been evaluating prospects but right now college coaches are are getting their hands on these these kids and they're they're working them out and they're coaching them up and that's that's when the that's when the sort of um nominal offer becomes a real offer for, for uh, lack of a better phrase. Like that's when the guys that they just hand out offers like candy. And then when the kid gets to campus, uh, and works out, that's when we find out if that offer is actually committable. And, uh, so it's, it's a, it is a busy time. It's a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of activity. Uh, you, as you mentioned, lead 11, um, the opening finals, the, some, some of these seven-on-seven seven elite national events and then the college camp. So it's a, this is a, it's a busy month. There'll be a lot of movement in the, in the team recruiting rankings as well.
1: I will keep you updated all the way through there. Uh, we've got Dennis Dodd coming up in a little bit. will be talking to Kyler Murray, uh, changes in transfer and alcohol legislation from the SEC. He was on the scene at Destin and uh, the spring meetings. Uh, but we want to keep it national. You know, we, we appreciate those of you who stuck with us. We were real SEC-heavy last episode. So we're, we're making a conscious effort to make sure that everyone gets some little love. And you've got uh, a feature that's going to be going up here in the next couple of days on CBS Sports and so uh to 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 get a little sneak preview of that um we we got some some quarterbacks coming in Barton that uh you might like average fans probably don't know their names and they could realistically be taking starter snaps at big time schools it, what, as soon as week one? Like, what's your projection here uh, when we're talking about the, the quarterback situation at places like Alabama, Georgia, USC, Penn State, Nebraska, and more?
0: I think that there's going to be um, – I mean, the, the biggest – look, I, I think there's a lot of quarterbacks coming in to this freshman class that are true freshman starter capable, a lot being in, you know, I don't know, a handful – um, but that's a lot, and and I think the the probably the single most likely to start as a true freshman. I'll be shocked if he doesn't. And I'm not talking about win the job. Midst, I'm saying day one starter. He wasn't even an early enrollee. He's a summer enrollee. JT Daniel. He skipped his senior year, and is and and I think the reason he skipped his senior year is because he's knows and sees that there's a starting opportunity there for him um and so jt daniels is going to be at 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 usc in a matter of days uh if he's not already there i don't know when those guys typically enroll in in, at, at usc but that kid's he is uh who would i compare him to he's like he's a he's a I mean, I don't know Baker Mayfield ish. I mean, that's not that. That's an easy comparison because it's the number one trip, but like in that smaller, mobile but not dual threat, uh, really instinctive, really crafty, six one six two tops, uh, but just unbelievably productive in high school, and and I think he's going to be the starting quarterback at USC, and. I think he's gonna be a really good freshman starter,
1: so he uh reclassified and how- but the kid's like eighteen okay so
0: or you know so it's not it's the reclassification he was held back earlier in his his schooling um as some parents tend to do to give them a better opportunity and he so i think um academically like there's there's still yeah he had to. It's it's just as big of a jump as you would expect. He had to take like double the course load his senior senior year. He's you know, he's been grinding to get this thing done. But in terms of just physical preparedness, he is a uh, he probably should be a senior in terms of age.
1: Okay. Uh, what do you like? What what's his competition in that room like? Because you lose Sam Darnold, and uh, you've had a lot of quarterbacks transfer out. We've talked about Max Brown on this show here in the last couple episodes. You know what's the you know, who Who else is in that mix right now?
0: It's not a pretty room otherwise. I mean, Matt Fink and Jack Sears are the other two guys. Sears to me actually has ability. He's actually has talent and upside. Fink is athletic, but I don't think he has in the arm talent to, to be a, a, a pack 12 starting quarterback. And so that's the, that's the, I mean, that's, the attraction there. I think if you're JT Daniels, that that's why you go to USC and that's or that's why you graduate early because there's, I mean, if he was enrolled, if he was an early enrollee and he was competing in the spring, I think he'd already have the the starting job locked up because there was just, there was no level of like a false confidence about what was going on in USC this spring from a quarterback standpoint. So I just think the the path is very clear more so than any other, uh, a true freshman quarterback out there.
1: See, I would say that if the true freshman, if a true freshman quarterback is starting, um, it it would say to me that something went wrong, or the kid is really special. Where between those two do you think he falls? Both. It's a, It's a. I mean, the kid Somewhere is the really middle. special. Yeah. He
0: was a five star. Uh, we ranked him the number two pro style quarterback in the country, number six overall player in the country, and. I think had he not reclassified, had he always been in 2018 and we always were comparing him to that class, there's a chance he could have been the number one player in the country. He could have been better than, he could have been ranked higher than Trevor Lawrence. And I just think given, and that's not saying he definitely would have, but given sort of that we were, he reclassified, we had to sort of quickly readjust and it was, it was in, in putting him in the context of those other quarterbacks, it was hard to say all right, you know we've been looking at this Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields debate for a year. Now we're going to throw this X factor in there above him. Like I just think, so I say that to be he is legitimately a, a rare, rare quarterback prospect. Uh, but I do think USC is. I mean that they should be better than this in terms of their room. They should. Right. You know this is this is not this doesn't uh, bode well for their recruiting. You know at the quarterback position prior to him so yes i think it's both but but i think more so i think it's it's jt daniels is that special because i don't think he's i think he has a chance to be a pretty good true freshman starter i don't think you know who he's like he's he's similar to to shea patterson in some regard Mm, um interesting for folks that have have seen him so uh, he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be fun to watch at usc
1: see i i would guess that a lot of um the average college football fan might not know JT Daniels name but i would guess that the average college football fan has heard about Justin Fields but i feel like um the maybe it was the success of Jake Fromm uh the success of Georgia with Jake Fromm under center the the Justin Fields to me uh the the buzz has cooled, and you know maybe some of that is just playing at Georgia, and the way that Georgia is going to keep everything locked down. What what either from what you're hearing or, or what your gut tells you uh, suggests what we might see from him in terms of playing time or opportunities during his freshman season?
0: I think we're going to see Justin Fields on the field. I just don't think we're going to see him as a starter. Yeah. I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see possessions. I think you're going to see series. I think you're going to see. Packages plays, but I don't think he's going to beat out Jake Fromm for that starting job, and probably shouldn't. I, I think he's more talented than Jake Fromm. He, I think he'll end up getting drafted higher than Jake Fromm. I think Justin Fields still might be the best player in college football um, at some point in his career. But he's, but Jake Fromm is 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 sort of a freak in terms of the way he processes, the way he. His feel for the game, his his accuracy. I mean, he's Fromm's going to be. That's a tough. That's a tough task. That's that's not beating out Jalen Hurts. And all all respect to Jalen Hurts, but but Fromm's a tougher. That's a tougher guy to beat out. Um, And which is crazy because Justin Fields is as prepared physically to start as anybody out there as a true freshman. And there are all kinds of opportunities. Whether it was Florida florida state texas a&m um they they were they were spots everywhere that he could have gone and and legitimately competed for a starting job and Georgia is one of the few that that's not that realistic and and yet that's where he went so uh i think and and, and when i watched him in the spring game i saw a guy that was immensely talented that that um hadn't felt a college rush before and he, he you know if that wasn't a two-hand touch for on the quarterbacks he would have gotten a couple sacks and maybe a couple of uh strip sacks and you know so there's there's some there's some development left to go there but uh we're going to see him and he's going to flash when he's on the field
1: do you think that and uh that we you know we we're going to bring this up uh also with Dennis Dodd here in a little bit uh the idea of playing multiple quarterbacks or is this going to be Uh, Just a season where we're seeing uh, an Alabama, a Georgia, maybe even a Clemson, an Oklahoma, where we're going to see these big-time national championship playoff contender programs. You know, is it just circumstance that these coaches are going to be willing to, to, you know, hand it over for a series? Or just because in the name of competition is the idea about being the starter the QB1 is is that starting to lessen a little bit in college football
0: i don't know i don't know that's a, i mean i think it's a great point like it's this is going to be the new trend this year i think right and it's not about it's not about competition it's about salvaging depth chart like you always hear the the um phrase if you if you got two starters you got none or whatever the you know however the phrase goes well it's sort of like it we're starting to get to be where if you got if you only got one you got none because these coaches are gonna whether it's Austin Kendall, Kyler Murray we'll talk about him with Dodd a little bit thinking that you know we're probably going to see both of them this year Um, and and part of that may be of necessity to keep them both on the roster I think it's looking like Jalen Hurts and, and Tua Tungavailua will play both on the field, it probably is a necessity to keep both on the roster. Uh, I think you see Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. I do think Justin Fields brings a different element, and and but at the same time, look, you promised him the ability to compete for playing time. That's why he's there. You gotta you gotta let him taste it a little bit. Um, I think you could absolutely at Clemson whether Trevor Lawrence is probably the best passer on that roster, but get just but get uh, Kelly Bryant in there to to run some packages to 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 be that for lack of a better term, wildcat quarterback or, or, um, you know, running threat at quarterback. It's, it's, it is fascinating across the country. And look, we haven't even talked about another guy. That's a really, really capable, um, incoming freshman that's coming in this summer, Dorian Thompson Robinson at UCLA. That, 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 that's a bad quarterback room. You know, they just they just they, <laughs> they, just, they just they just welcomed o- Wilton Spate with open yeah, arms. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think I think that there's a clip that I might uh, have to go back and find that was uh, uh, if if Wilton Spate starting UCLA is in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it, it, I mean that's and so and so like is is there all right? Maybe Dorian Thompson Robinson ready to be the starter, but may, can you? Are there some opportunities for him to get on the field and just get a taste? And so I I, I do think. As much as, like, there's, we'll see how it plays out. But it, it, I, I think you could absolutely see a real like, uh, two quarterback system movement. And I think part of it is not necessarily the seeing the value of two quarterbacks as much as it's seeing the necessity of maintaining a quarterback, some quarterback depth.
1: It's so fascinating to me because you're right. The old adage was, if you got two quarterbacks, you got none, and uh, it's. These these college coaches are doing, you know. Ultimately, it comes down to whatever's going to, you know, give you the best chance to to win over time. It's not like, you know, if if one quarterback's in there stinking it up. Like we we could see the uh, we're sitting here talking about this on June sixth. If this gets put into play and you know it all falls apart and all these all these coaches end up deciding they just got to ride with one quarterback, then you know maybe it's all for naught. But man, if if they can pull it off. Then uh, it'll be really interesting to see that to see if it it repeats itself and isn't just a matter of circumstance uh, for this season. Um, hey, Penn State, who is going to come at my man Moxie McSorley for playing time?
0: Tommy Stevens. They already have a two quarterback system. They They're, played Tommy Stevens last year. Holy cow! That this is yeah. It's hey the the movement is real. Um, that, uh, Tommy Stevens is, and, and, and ironically, you know, Justin Fields was committed to Penn State and, and part of the reason that he said he was decommitting was look that there was no, like Penn State wasn't sort of telling him he could come and compete with Trace McSorley for the job. Like Trace McSorley was going to play this year. Whereas Kirby Smart was saying, Hey, if you beat out Jake Fromm, you beat him out. And so, um, take that for what it's worth but but no i mean tommy stevens i think is is one of the best backups in college football uh and and i think penn state is is fully equipped to have that that two quarterback system as well now that's not going to be you know because we've seen tommy stevens get in there and play receiver like they'll do the the double pass stuff they'll do the you know he they've they've handed the ball off to him he's run i mean so he's a he's a versatile threat big strong kid with 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 some arm talent too but um the succession plan is laid out for them
1: wow um where where else is it uh are are you sort of like uh peaking a little bit so that when fall camp starts you know we there's going to be reports coming from all over the place we're going to have your boots on the ground with uh, our 24 7 sports um correspondence reporting back from fall camps on the camp battles we of course are going to have the camp buzz rolling what the we, you know what? What are the the camps of the schools? What are the other ones where you're going to be almost like keeping a close eye on, uh, thinking that the the quarterback position might get shaken up from what we know.
0: Um. Well, I mean, I think we you know we we've touched on Clemson. I think that that's pretty pretty fascinating what's going on there. Um. You know, I think I, I've we've talked Florida a little bit. I think that that quarterback room is interesting. I think that's one of my the things I'm most fascinated about is, all right, you got a quarterback guru in Dan Mullen stepping into Gainesville with a, a decrepit quarterback room. Like what's that process look like to get it right. And, uh, and so I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, You know, we're, we're a Felipe Frank's pod. Um, We're, we're, we're wholly behind Felipe and I think he'll be the starter. I think Michigan What's Shea Patterson, Brandon Peters? Is that actually a competition? You know, I, and and Texas is interesting too. Like they got Shane Buchel and and um and and Sam Ellinger and you know those guys still got a battle. I, like there's a lot of there's a lot of of action out there. There's a lot of of quarterback competitions out there. I mean, even Nebraska, Adrian Martinez is another true freshman that could could start. He had a great spring game. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think it, it, that, that there's going to be some, there's going to be some days of our lives drama. For, <laughs> well, uh, all right. What's
1: good. What, what's going to happen at Miami? Cause I think Miami can win the coastal again. And I think Miami has, you know, if you give them a one game shot at Clemson, you know, I, I'm not going to think that they're going to get blown out of the water, but they've got to get better quarterback play and they've got to enter that game healthier than they were, uh, a year ago when Clemson did pretty much dominate them, particularly uh on that uh defensive side of the ball. So what is it Malik Rogier, Nikosi Perry, is there anybody else that's in the mix?
0: Yeah. I hate to I hate to sound like I'm just like Mr. you know, choosing door door number two, but I think Jaron Williams, the true freshman I think I think if Miami coaches had their 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 brothers. They're druthers. Their druthers <laughs> I think I think their druthers would tell them Jaron Williams is our start. Like I think they want him to win the job, and I think he's capable of winning the job. He's an early enrollee. He competed in the spring, but he's the most talented quarterback in that room. And he's a uh, he's accurate. He's he's athletic enough. He's sharp. He's big. I think I think that that's the guy for the future right now at Miami. And um they'd love for him to be the guy right now. So that's that. I think that's going to be a really interesting quarterback uh, situation. That's another one. So that, that's again, these are, I think this is going to be a big year for true freshman quarterbacks. I really do. Wow.
1: Um, all right. Now we got a lot to get into with Dennis Dodd. So we don't want to waste any more of your time. Here we go with the Dodd father.
2: The magic bullet they now have in their holster, which they will apply. Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh make a combined 20 million this season. Those two guys alone will make 13 million more than the entire MAC.
1: And now it's our pleasure to welcome back to the 24/7 Sports College Football Podcast Dennis Dodd, senior college football columnist at CBS Sports. Dennis, uh, your, your your travels this summer have included uh, Destin. We want to get into uh, some of the interesting uh, decisions that have been made, apparently, with uh, Kyler Murray, also Jordan Adams, who will be making a different decision. Want to start to get into that, along with starting to look at the quarterback uh, position in college football for the 2018 season, as this is uh, the quarterback issue, I guess, of uh, of this month here on the podcast. So, Dennis... Um, you know, When you were down there in Destin at the SEC Spring Meetings, one of the hot topics was uh, the idea of transfers. And transfer reform is an NCAA-wide issue. It's something that you even mentioned on this podcast you imagine you know might take some time to get legislated out. But the SEC has had, uh, for a long time, uh, some of the more strict conference rules as it pertains to transfers. What uh, and, and for those who... Who might not know all the inner workings of this? Where were we with uh, transfers between conference schools in the SEC before the spring meetings, and where are we now, or where are we headed?
2: Yeah, but as of last week or before Friday, I guess their, their intra-conference rules, transfer rules weren't that much different from other leagues. They vary slightly from league to league, but uh, real quick, if you were uh, if you were transferring within the conference, either as a graduate or undergraduate, you had to sit out a year before you uh, before you transferred to schools, and that the SEC at least got rid of the uh, the graduate part of it last year. Uh, I'm sorry, on Friday, so uh, any graduate uh, kid uh, grad transfer can leave and go to another school, and then as part of that it, within the conference, and then as part of that, uh, um, all signs point to next week. Uh, the NCA Transfer Working Group, in conjunction with the NCA Council, they will submit legislation uh, overturning a decades-old ability for coaches to block players. It's called notification uh, supplanting permission. So, you, at least in the SEC, you would have a graduate transfer who would just say adios and, and go anywhere within the conference or without the conference. Is that relegated strictly to the graduate transfers? No, that that the NCA rule I referenced will be uh will be effective to everyone. And they will still undergrads will still have to sit out. Uh and and it's really interesting. Some coaches are still freaking out even over that prospect that a kid can leave uh you know just by notifying the coach, but still has to sit out. There are coaches and there were at the SEC and Destin they could, thought that was free agency. I don't think that's quite free agency. Free agency to me is, you know, transfer immediately to another school. So, it, it's it's a big st- it's a big step in a way, but this has been going on for decades. So it's kind of a small step and a re- really logical step to me. But that's huge. If yes. if
0: we're getting to the point where kids can transfer to anywhere they want, that's that's a that's a game changer. In, in terms of just sort of the, the power they hold over their future, whereas these coaches have I mean, it's 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 commonplace for for coaches to mm-hmm. just hold that over their head and and and, you know, limit a lot of schools that would make a lot more sense. So that uh, to me, I didn't even uh, this is this is sort of this is sort of a, a revelation to me that this is happening. And I'm glad you, you're bringing this up because that to me is
2: is is a game changer. Yeah, it, it is. And it's about as far as this transfer working group can go. I don't think they'll do anything more this year. You know, you've seen talk about this academic benchmark, which on its face is racist. I've written about that. This is about as far as they can go. But it's it's more than fair. Uh, when I did my big transfer story earlier in the year, I tried to go back and say, well, why can coaches um do this. What's the genesis of this ability or rule? Not even a rule. And the farthest I got back, uh, David Burst used used to be the uh, the number two at the NCA, now retired. Directed me. The farthest back I got was like 1964. Wow. And it's, it's been going on for 54 years at least. Now the year in residence traces its roots back 122 years to 1896 in a precursor of the, of the big 10, it was called the Western conference and that's different. But just as far as coaches being able, cause I mean, you and I, all of us grew up like, Oh yeah, you can transfer here except for these five schools. And nobody even, even questioned it. But I think, you know, I, I think what you've seen, I think we, had, we would all admit that the legal liability here is going to get one of these schools. It's just not worth the mess. Just let the kids go where they want to go. What is the legal liability? Well, you saw. I, I will give a couple of situations. There was, I would say, legal liability and the chance for really bad publicity. Uh, it was a year ago, well, this bad, month. Just a, bad just about PR. Right
1: now. Bad PR is the the thing that we've seen with a lot of these transfer situations, where coaches will ultimately relent because of bad publicity.
2: Right, right. and uh, and it just it's just bad for everybody all around. Corey Sutton was a backup receiver at Kansas State. And a year ago, almost you know this week he Bill Snyder Bill Snyder blocked him from thirty five schools more more than a quarter of FBS out of nothing more than spite. I can't think of anything other he would do. I think the kid ripped him on Twitter or something like that. and so the kid appealed and interesting thing about these appeal committees well they're all on campus and they're more likely to not decide with the coach because they're fans, um, not exactly third party they're not independent so the 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 appeal. Uh, committee on the Kansas State campus denied his appeal. And then uh, it was Gene Taylor, the the AD, who's there now, stepped in and said, no, 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 this doesn't make sense. A kid can go wherever he wants. You know, what are we talking about here? A backup receiver who Bill Snyder is mad at. So that, you know, and I think, look, we're in a very litigious point in NCA history. And the NCAA doesn't usually make moves like this until there is push back legally, I think this, this could have been, you know, this could be a, a legal issue for anybody like Corey Sutton. Hmm. Interesting.
0: So what, uh, what about the, uh, the latest on Kyler Murray, Dennis, you're, you're, you've been following yeah. this. You, uh, you know, he gets drafted ninth overall in the major league baseball draft, probably higher than uh, certainly oh. what I expected. Like this whole time, and this Kyler Murray buzz. I, I was sitting here thinking, like, well, you know, are we making a big deal out of nothing? This is like his first year playing baseball and forever, and, right, right. And then all of a sudden he gets drafted ninth. So, what what was your reaction to that? What's what's been your because I know you kind of wrote sort of leading up to it, yeah, uh, as well. So you were you were anticipating this this uh, conflict. What uh, what what's been the way you perceived it and 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 your reaction to, to yeah? That? And I, I
2: I'm no big baseball draft expert so I you know look I all those seam heads that do this stuff have to have to be called out a little bit I mean the general consensus on the kid he's a obviously a center fielder for Oklahoma and and the quarterback who's supposed to take over for Baker Mayfield it's still a battle officially with Austin Kendall but they rated him like 36 to 38 which puts him into the first beginning of the second well he was signed in the in the top 10 number nine overall or pick number nine overall by the A's. And to me, if you're picking a guy in the top 10, that ranks him as an all-star. You project him as an all-star Major League Baseball player, or else you're wasting the pick. So the, I think the biggest winner in this is Oklahoma football. The kid said right away I'm going to play football this year. So he gets the best of both worlds. He gets to play football, and if he comes out of it healthy – then I guess he'll sign with um, with the A's after the season. Now he's got till July 13th, I think, to change his mind and, and sign with uh, sign with the A. So this isn't over yet. But I, there's a couple things the the Oakland A's if they're going to draft a guy ninth and offer him life changing money, which was about five million dollars for his slot in the draft, and you're going to let him play football. Uh, you uh, hopefully that wasn't a surprise and if it was what the heck what the heck are you agreeing to because he's one blown knee about that 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 draft slot just bit just going away you're getting nothing for it I, I I thought when they drafted him that high well he's absolutely going to play baseball because you don't do that and offer him five million dollars for his slot for him to go play football so I think the it's a win it's a great win for for Kyler Murray in Oklahoma, I, I question Oklahoma, uh, the Oakland A's.
0: Well, and he – there wasn't like – there was a um, a period of time in which he sort of pondered this and, and weighed his options. Like he pretty much immediately said, I'll yeah. be playing football next year. So that that tells me that surely he'd had conversations. They knew what they were signing yes. up for and, and are still willing to, to roll the dice and, and, and let him play. Um it's 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 fascinating and and i think it's fascinating too like i'm I, I may write something this week on this and and i think lincoln riley has an interesting decision it looks again for him to announce that quickly clearly he's going to be the starter like he doesn't he's not announcing yeah. that he's going to play at oklahoma to be the whatever the backup yeah. uh and yet isn't is 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 there some temptation if you're lincoln riley to play Austin Kendall because now you're, you're guaranteeing that you're going to have a different quarterback for three straight years. If you play, if Kyler Murray is your starter this year, you've got a chance for Austin Kendall to, to grow into the to role for next, next season. And frankly, I don't know. Austin Kendall may be better. I mean, Kyler yes. Murray is still an athlete back there playing quarterback. He's not a quarterback that's really that's athletic right. yet. So I'm, I'm curious if there's any temptation for Lincoln Riley to say uh all right now we got a we got a deep quarterback room but Austin Kendall like here here's the here's the key so when hold that's on a, that's a great point so when that's
1: Kyler Murray point. says I'm going to be playing football next season the assumption that we're all making is that he is going to leave after that season is that sort of the game plan that we're say, is that, right right that even yeah. an
0: assumption has he or is he he may have even said that he's going to play baseball after the the
2: season I don't yeah, I haven't seen it, that it was really weird he they he they call – there was a midnight on – let's say Monday. A midnight conference call arranged by the A's. It's like they're already paying him. You know, I thought it was from Oklahoma. He gets on there and says, I'm going to play football next year. So I guess, yes, the assumption is he's he's now a uh, one and done, at least playing – or two and done uh, – playing at Oklahoma. Because, yeah, Barton, I think I, – I
1: like that. And, I mean, I, I don't like that. But I, I, can, I can ride with uh, that line of questioning with the idea, especially – and we talked before the, you know, Austin Kendall views himself as uh, a starting Oklahoma quarterback, you know, red shirt and the take take a red shirt year in the, the middle of your career to be able to uh, try and extend things to develop, to learn. And then, you know, Kyler Murray, there's, there's a lot of athleticism, but, you know, whether it's from, you know, spring practices, spring games, there's also, um, you know, some, some belief that maybe he's. Uh he might be more neck and neck even if his decision to say hey i'm going to play football m- is probably informed by the idea that he views himself as the starter
0: All right, i'll I'll put this question to both of you guys and tell me what i i 'm curious what your opinion would be on this do you think oklahoma's roster is at a point right now where it is more likely that they can win or play for a national title with a guy that is 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 going is a distributor and plays within the system, or do you think Oklahoma, if if they're going to play for a national title or win a national title, they need a quarterback that can elevate the play of everyone around them? Because that to me that's sort of what what it boils down to is is does is O is OU's roster like Alabama? If you I'm Alabama, for instance, and I have a choice between Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall, or if I'm Clemson or or whatever, I go with Austin Kendall because. You feel like everything else is set. Yeah, everything else is so good. You need someone that's going to keep you on script, whereas you're going to get a lot more negative plays with Kyler Murray, I I think, but you're probably going to get a a higher spectrum of of positive plays too. Man, I think it's –
2: yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you go for it, Dennis. I just got a frog in my throat. Uh, I think it's the same same situation at Alabama and Oklahoma. You really need them both. Just like you said, uh, Barton, that – uh, in answer to your earlier question, I think absolutely you've got to play Austin Kendall if, if Kyler Murray wins the job, uh, or even if he doesn't, because that, that represents continuity. If you think Kyler Murray's gone after this season, I think you've got to, got to play in, – in some form. I don't mean every other snap. I'm just but, saying you got to get him significant playing time. And if you lose Jalen Hurts or if you lose Kyler Murray, then the quarterback room is, is suddenly really thin. And I think Nick's in the process right now and has been of, of getting Jalen Hurts to somehow hang on. And he's told he's told Chris Lowe of the SPN and he told me in passing that he's considering playing both. I, I don't know how that looks to to uh you know uh, to Jalen Hurts' dad or to his family. But I think that's the best outcome for Nick Saban in Alabama.
1: Yeah, I uh I'm I'm kinda on the side I'm too scarred, Barton, by and again, this is this is not fair to Kyler Murray, but I'm I'm a little like those the little bit that we saw at Texas A&M. Um, yeah, I, I kind of think that I'm I'm a little bit more Austin Kendall to win a national championship. You still got Rodney Anderson, you still got CeeDee Lamb, you still got Marquise Brown. Uh, I yes. guess I guess a lot relies on what Oklahoma's offensive line is like, where Kyler Murray might be able to escape and create something out of nothing, uh, just with his his talents. But I. I feel like I'm leaning Kendall here and I didn't start the summer feeling that way, but sort of as things have unfolded, as I've dug in and, and started to really marinate on it. Uh, I think, I think Oklahoma winning the big 12, uh, requires at least some Austin Kendall. How about that?
2: That's, that's a good way to put it because I don't forget who we're talking about here as head coach. Lincoln Riley is, is a quarterback whisperer and whoever starts or plays, isn't going to complete 70% of their passes. But but look, there's something to be said for having a, a level head back there, which they didn't with Baker Mayfield. Look, he was great, and but Kyler Murray, I think we'd all agree is is a better runner. But I, I don't know what that looks like. You know, does that put him out there and it's susceptible to more injuries? And especially when they've got the skill players out there, and Lincoln Riley tells him, "Hey, we don't need you to to bust out of there every time just to show what you can do." So man, yeah, I, I think they. Uh, yeah, I think they're really, really good with both. I think they'll play both.
1: Mm. Um, hey, one, uh, I know, I know, we're bouncing all over the place right here, Dennis. Yeah. Um, uh, Derek Mason, head coach at Vanderbilt, had a great quote. <laughs> he said, uh, "Did you share this quote?" I saw. I, saw, I, I did.
2: I did on Twitter. Yes. Oh my god, where you are going with this? I'm, <laughs> wanna...
1: He said, uh, "If it's gonna be wet, let's make it wet." And he was referring to alcohol in the stadiums. This was another big topic. And this is a national a national trend of sorts. But what I read from that quote, Dennis, and, and I'm glad that you were the one that shared it, but what I read from that was Derek Mason saying, they're drinking already, so why are we turning our head away from it? Why don't we just bring it above board?
2: Yeah, and he, look, he's, and this was last week at the SEC spring meetings, where again, it wasn't an official agenda item, but alcohol in in SEC stadiums is coming, whether it's next year or five years from now, because it's just a national trend and it's revenue, and they can control the drinking and everything else. But he, yeah, I think as a head coach, he's sitting there going, I, you know, it doesn't really help me score points, so I don't care. But if the, it, the exact line was, if they're going to make it wet, let's get it wet. Let's they're get it wet. It, they're going to keep it dry. Let's keep it dry. In it, in, in no other conference, I don't think would. Would alcohol in stadiums be a big, bigger deal than it is in the SEC? Just because of the obvious, it's it's the buckle of the Bible belt. You have people that will vehemently fight back on it. Uh, um, and, and juggling that in the middle is the commissioner, Greg Sankey. And, and for all the reasons it makes sense, at least to people these days, it 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 harnesses binge drinking in the stadiums, like gambling that is legalized now, puts it above board. Less people, I guess, are, would be sneaking in flasks. And and it produces revenue. Now, it doesn't make sense to me that you would welcome that into you know the most football crazy conference in the country. But but who am I to say?
0: Hmm. So you so
2: so you don't think that they should do it? That's that's no. I just I, I guess I I guess I, I'm I, you know I'm resigned to the fact that it's going to happen. I just right. you know sometimes soon. I just question whether you know. First of all, it's a bigger deal in the SEC than it is anywhere else for obvious reasons I just mentioned. And and number two, um, you know, they've they've gotten along this far without it. Uh, You know, why do they need it now? I guess just be honest about why you're doing it. Um, They did at West Virginia. And Oliver Luck, our our new commissioner of the XFL, is the the grandfather of this. They were drinking so much at West Virginia games, and he was the AD there then, that people would literally go out at halftime and pull out a, a jug of bourbon and start chugging it and, and throw up in the aisles um, at, uh, at the stadium. They literally had a, a crew of people that did nothing else but go around and cl- clean up vomit at West Virginia football games. <laughs> and so that's a problem, okay? So they you know, they put in, in stadium alcohol, no more than two drinks per, vi- per visit. They stopped pass outs, which was huge at halftime, and now it's okay. So you can see why it it makes sense in in a really extreme case at West Virginia. Yeah,
1: the curb.
2: So, go ahead. Oh, uh, you go ahead, Chip.
1: So I was going to say the, the curbing binge, binge drinking is uh, you know, uh, you know that's that's a little piece of evidence that I think if you lean on it too heavily, that feels like you're trying to placate um, naysayers or people who are standing against it. But the yeah. the I the idea. That you're just going to introduce beer sales. Like, I, I kind of feel like even in stadiums where it's not available to everyone, there's a middle ground where it starts in the premium seats and then it yeah. sort of flows out from there. Like, I, I, that's, that's what I foresee for the SEC because then you've also got the opportunity uh, from a school and a money making standpoint, and not only to sell the alcohol, but then to sell the advantages of access to the alcohol as part of your premium seating package.
2: And that's going on a lot of places, LSU among them, um, and a lot of schools around the country. Uh, and, and that that's their that's their pilot program. Okay, let's see if it works here. You know, you're paying for it in the sweet area. Um, you know, the, I, I don't know how many people know the NCAA had a pilot program the last two years at the College World Series to sell booze, and their stated intent was to curb binge drinking. Well, I I've covered that thing for more than twenty years. I don't recall a lot of binge drinking. I just don't. Um, but if, if we're going to be upfront about it and call it what it is, a you know, a, a, getting more revenue, then then just call it what it is. It makes sense. No. That's what I'm saying. This is their.
0: This is not a humanitarian philanthropic no. effort. Like no. college no. binge drinking on college campuses is, is a is is a staple. Like it's never going away. Right. And uh, and so. I, th- I think, but I do think that look, it's it is going on, and so why why ignore it and act like because we aren't selling alcohol in stadiums that alcohol won't be in stadiums. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I I'm, I'm good with having a beer at a stadium. I so. mean, look,
2: look look, how much is it worth to Coors or Miller to be the official beer sponsor of a college team? Because that's what we're talking about. That's worth millions of dollars to a school, you know. Um, just just like the, the, the much despised uh, at this moment shoe shoe deals, you know, Kansas is in negotiations uh, for a new contract with Adidas for one hundred ninety one million dollars for a, for a school that the government said defrauded Kansas. You know, so what are we talking about?
1: Hey, um, worth, worth every penny and prospect. Exactly, exactly. Worth every penny and prospect. prospect. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so you mentioned Oliver Luck, and before we want to get you out of here, you, you said something before we started, and I, I hadn't really thought about this angle. So Oliver Luck um, is leaving the NCAA. He was, as you mentioned, uh, a, a I would say a progressive athletic director or at least someone who yes. was uh, given credit as having good foresight and sort of understanding of where things are going. He is, of course, also the father of, of uh, Andrew Luck, who we may see play football again one day. Who knows? But I had not thought about what Oliver Luck leaving the NCAA to join the XFL, I had not thought about what that meant in terms of the NCAA. Uh, like this might be a bad sign or uh, a big loss for the NCAA, for Mark Emmert to to lose a powerful figure like that, uh, basically abandoning college sports entirely to go over to this new vince mcmahon led property
2: yeah this let me go back this vince i i'm sorry (laughs) oliver luck is the commissioner of the xfl now because in a very close and controversial decision years ago texas picked steve patterson as their ad instead of oliver luck oliver luck was was judged to be the guy a common sense guy coming from i think he was at west virginia then Uh, Somebody stepped in there and said, no, Steve Patterson. Steve Patterson was an abject failure, um, really set back Texas athletics. I don't have to go over that. So then what does Oliver Delecht do in his next iteration? Well, he eventually pops up as sort of, oh, a cleaner at the NCAA. Mark Emmert at that point was not really trusted to go out and be the public face of the NCAA. I don't have to tell you how many missteps and mis and things he misspoke about. And so in that sense, Oliver Luck, again, high, highly regarded, respected, was a highball screen for Mark Emmer. You know, just keep him keep him back there. Don't let him be in public. I think he got frustrated with his duties uh, at the NCAA to affect real change. Um, he, he was, and I mean this in the best possible way, he was the cleaner. He was the Michael Cohen of the NCAA. He's a guy who could, um, you know, get things done without attracting attention. Example, he helped, uh, he helped Liberty through the process of getting to FBS when, to my, to my knowledge, they were the first school without the mandated offer of a conference membership to, to be elevated. And he got them through that process. It it slowly, quietly slipped under the radar. Well, here's Liberty going to play independent. Well, the rules say you have to have a conference invite before you move up. He's credited by Liberty as getting that done. And that, you know, that's fair. That's OK. He's that guy. They're going to miss him. Uh, You know, he was the guy that set, you know, set the record straight with people would talk to people off the record, tell you what was really going on. And I think it's significant that for him to take his next step in his career, he goes not not to a Texas or an AD at some big school, but but the XFL, you know, the iteration of a borderline entertainment slash sports product that failed miserably uh, years ago. And I'm not, and he himself, him joining it adds a big dose of credibility to it, frankly. But I'm just surprised this was his next step. I I'm I'm convinced he was really frustrated with his ability to get things done at the NCA.
0: Well. I'm I'm interested in how this plays out because for the longest time I I just have to trust people like you, Dennis, that Oliver Luck is this <laughs> amazing, brilliant man. Or I mean, I'm sure he's a I'm sure he's smart and accomplished and all that. But I mean, I how you know I'm sitting here and and Oliver Luck has this sterling reputation, and I'm like, well, what I don't know What does he? I
2: yeah. can't.
0: You can't. You know, the NCA doesn't look drastically different from my perspective since when he got it got there. So this is I, I'm it's 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 interesting to me to see a guy that has always had this great reputation and yet it's hard to sort it like what metric can you point to to really validate that that's uh, fair and and so i'm and and that's not just to, to say i disagree with you that's just to say i am a you know i'm a, i'm a from you know i can't i don't i don't have the expertise to know and so i'm i'm this is gonna be very clearly like the x f l this is gonna either it's going to sink or it's going to swim, and yeah. and Oliver Luck sounds like he's going to have a pretty uh, uh pretty important
2: hand. And well, in let rate. me let me put it this way, real quick. How does anyone defend the current amateurism model where we are right now? Where I mean, I don't have, to, I don't I have to go over it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, under attack on on every side. They're being forced to, you know, it, as soon as that. The Supreme Court decision was made on gambling. They put out this statement saying, oh, we're going to have to reevaluate where we hold our championships. Yeah, you better because you're not going to be able to hold any championships because 30 states are going to have legalized gambling that you have to change your rules on right away. Um, Compensation to players. They're under attack from at least two major lawsuits and and that thing. And it's just – I I thought the Rice Commission, their most significant recommendation – was to really revamp enforcement and go to a third-party model. I didn't think that was part of their purview, nor did I think they were interested in that. And that, and that's a, a foundation of, of the NCA. So that's going to go independent. So how do you how do you even how do you even defend that these days? I think he got frustrated because he couldn't really do anything. And I don't think anybody can do
1: anything. Yeah, Barton. I was I was seeing it like Oliver Luck, uh, smartest man in the room, got the first uh, lifeboat off the Titanic. That he was like yeah. – and, and, like, yeah. you know, you could spin this forward as, you know, the 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 NCAA uh, doomsday prophets who are always talking about how the Power Five leagues are going to break off and form their own organization. Um, you know, that's – like, I don't, I don't know if we're headed there. Maybe we are. Maybe that's 20 years down the line. But I, I think that this was Oliver Luck, a man who's been credited as having foresight of where things are headed, realizing that he was on a losing team and a team that yes. was going to continue losing – and he's just going to pack up and get out of town at the first good opportunity. XFL, sure. I mean, it doesn't even start for two years, so we'll yeah. we'll we'll we'll, t- we'll figure all that out when it comes. But uh, but Oliver Luck's like, yeah, the the time of the NCAA being able to to rule as it has ruled so powerfully is definitely coming to an end.
2: Yeah, think, think think about the future real quick. Players are are, are going to be compensated more in some form. Uh, enforcement is out of the hands of the NCAA and legalized gambling has hit the nation. OK, so what exactly is the NCAA going to be doing? You know what I'm saying? I, I think that was part of his mindset. It's like, well, what can I accomplish here except to be a, a goodwill ambassador or a, or a Michael Clayton? You know, that movie with uh, Clooney. Oh, George Clooney, where he was like he was just a cleaner. He He just cleaned up messes. So I think you're right. Yeah, he had to get out of town.
1: Uh, He is Dennis Dodd. You can follow him on Twitter at Dennis Dodd, CBS. Dennis, always great to catch up with you. Thank you very
2: much. Thanks, guys.